When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. My name is Rich Cellini and I cover the Jets for ESPN. This is our holiday week episode, but it actually should be called the Hot Seat Show. We're going to be focusing on the futures of Robert Sala and Joe Douglas because, well, the Jets are 5-9. and nine. They've been eliminated from the playoffs for the 13th straight year. They have the longest, by the way, the longest active playoff drought among the four major sports leagues. And they've had eight straight losing seasons. Joe Douglas as the GM, 25 and 55. Robert Sala as the coach, 16 and 32. Those are records that get people fired, but the Jets being the Jets, it's never really cut and dried. I think the Aaron Rodgers factor is a huge variable and it will impact these decisions. Now, in case you missed it on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers used his platform, the Pat McAfee Show, to outline basically the next two years for the organization. That's right. The quarterback, a player, essentially detailed what he'd like to see for the next two years. He announced that he's going to play at least two more years. Not this year, though. We know that. he's The comeback bid falls short. And that he wants Robert Sala and Joe Douglas to lead the way for him for the next two years. He gave strong endorsements to both guys along with Nathaniel Hackett, and he was so resolute that he's basically saying to Woody Johnson, these are my guys. If you don't agree, you're going to have one unhappy quarterback, and we know from his Green Bay days, a cranky Rodgers can be a handful. Uh, So it's amazing how one person, a player, has taken control of this organization. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I can tell you this, the only way it can be validated as by making a Super Bowl. Let's talk about Salah. My sense, as we're speaking here today, is that he will be back as the coach. And I think he deserves another shot. Now, that might not be a popular opinion. I understand. But let's see what he can do with an actual quarterback. From what I hear, I think Woody Johnson feels the same way. He's upset by the losses, but he understands the situation. So if I'm betting right now, I say Salah is back next year. Now, that said, Sunday's 30 to nothing loss was bad. Not quite Brandon Staley get fired the next day kind of bad, but it was ugly. The Jets looked unprepared. They seemed disinterested at times. And afterwards, at least two players questioning effort. Alan Lazard saying the Jets were out-schemed and out-efforted, and DJ Reed basically saying in the third quarter he could tell the defense was just kind of sagging. Players are smart. They know the trigger words. When Alan Lazard says they were, quote, out-schemed, he knows that's a fancy way of questioning the coaching. It's a shot at the coaches. Now, Salah, he cannot lose the locker room. If he does, he's toast. Now, how are we going to know that? How are we going to know if he loses the locker room? Starting on Sunday against Washington. If the Jets lose ugly to a 4-10 and team with a lame-duck coach, that will be an indictment on Salah. Um, 
you just can't lose to Washington in, in an ugly fashion. If they lose, if they get blown out, the players are basically telling Woody Johnson we've had it with this coach. The last three weeks, kind of an interesting three weeks here. You got Washington, you got Cleveland, who looks like they're going to the playoffs with Joe Flacco, of all people, a team on its fourth quarterback actually succeeding. Not a good look for the Jets. In the last week, another lame duck coach, Bill Belichick in New England. Their offense is just as bad as the Jets. So what I'm saying here is that there's the potential for some bad optic losses over these last three weeks. Now, the Jets should win two out of three, but who knows? Honestly, who knows? I thought uh, Salah's comments after the Miami game weren't great. He essentially absolved the defense, put it all on the offense, specifically the offensive line. He sounded like a defensive coordinator, not a head coach, and that's a little troubling. Uh, He came back the next day and put it on himself and took accountability. And look, we all have moments where we choose the wrong words, and I've done it plenty of times. But for a coach, those words resonate in the locker room, especially on offense. And I think there have been times, at least I've been told, during the season where he picks on the offense in meetings, will call out certain players, making them feel uncomfortable. And that gets attention for the whole team. I mean, he benched Zach Wilson for a career journeyman, Tim Boyle. I wonder how Zach Wilson feels about Robert Sala after he benched three times in the last 13 months. Do I think Sala should be blamed for five and nine? No. The biggest reason is the Rodgers injury. Next, I'd say it's personnel, and that falls on Joe Douglas with the whole backup quarterback debacle, just a catastrophic mistake. The offensive line, poorly constructed, constructed 61 sacks allowed. Only the Giants have more. Uh, The Zach Wilson pick, a disaster. So I would say that the ability to procure and develop talent on offense has been missing for the entire time of Joe Douglas's tenure. The defense, different story. They're fine. I think with the exception of Carl Lawson, all of their significant defensive moves have worked out. Offense, though, it's just, it's like a blind spot. They just can't see the offense. 13 touchdowns, less than one per game. Uh, So it's an interesting situation because if you follow Salah, if you fire him, who's next? That's going to piss off Rodgers. And you can't expect the next coach to keep Hackett. And we know Hackett and Rodgers are tight. If you find a head coach who's willing to keep Hackett, he's not the kind of head coach you want. It's like when Adam Gase was forced to hire Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator. That did not work out, as we all saw. The nuclear option, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, would be dumping Sala, then elevating Jeff Ulbricht to head coach, and then keeping Hackett as the OC. I'm not sure that solves anything either. Again, in the end, I think it'll be status quo for the Jets, but for his own sake, I think Robert Sala needs to win one or two more games. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Reaching into the mailbag, some great questions this week. It's always hard to pick out a few good ones because we get so many. 
but we have a good lineup, and batting leadoff in the lineup is at Matt Romano, 19. Could the Jets bring back Zach Wilson as a third-string quarterback? Do you think the team, or even Wilson, would be open to that? Matt, the answers are no and no. Can't possibly devote $11 million in cap space, and that's what his charge is next year, for a third-string quarterback. Just doesn't make financial sense. I think the Jets are going to trade Zach Wilson in the offseason. I think Zach Wilson would like to be traded. I do not believe he wants to be back here. Fresh start for both sides. Probably the best best way to go. Uh, our next question is from at M underscore Collidkin. Uh, they tried to add a spark by deactivating Zach Wilson and losing two in a row with Tim Boyle as the starter and, and Simeon as the backup. So now since they've been eliminated from the playoffs, why not try to find a spark with a new offensive coordinator to keep the locker room intact? Mark, Nathaniel Hackett has not done a good job as the coordinator, but I do not foresee his role changing. I asked Robert Sala this week, do you want to change any staff? Are you considering any staff changes? He said no. I think on 31 other teams, the coordinator would be gone by now. There's loyalty there because it's his first year because of the Rodgers injury happening so soon, and because of Rodgers' presence, they don't want to piss off Hackett, so or Rodgers, for that matter. So I do not foresee a change happening at that position. Next one from at JPZ57. Why hasn't this version of Jets management been able to construct even an average offensive line? Right on the money, Jorge, because, uh, hey, look, this line has not been good. But you can't say Joe Douglas hasn't tried. Mike McCagnin, his predecessor, basically ignored the offensive line. Douglas has been the anti-McCagnin. He invested first-rounders in Becton and Vera Tucker, a second-rounder in Joe Tipman, fourth-round picks in Max Mitchell and Carter Warren. He spent $20 million for Dwayne Brown. Brown. He spent a fortune on Lake and Tomlinson. They spent money on McGovern and Fant, and they still have a below-average offensive line. So he's spending the money, he's investing the resources in premium assets, but none of them have panned out. Even AVT, as good as he is, has not been able to stay on the field. This, aside from the Zach Wilson disaster, picking him second overall, the offensive line construction has been the major blight on Joe Douglas's record. At Jet Loose One, at Jet Juice One, sorry. What's the cap situation heading into free agency? How many impact free agents can the Jets realistically expect? Well, right now, the cap has not been set yet, but projecting it's about $17 million in cap money for the Jets, which is not a lot. They will clear some money off the books by cutting some players, but not as much as you would think because. They're going to have some voiding contracts that will have in dead money on the 24 cap. That's what happens when you restructure contacts, contracts like Carl Lawson and CJ Uzama and you add void years in, you get stuck with the money after they're gone. Uh, free agency wise, uh, you know, obviously they need offensive line help, but the offensive tackle market is extremely grim. I'd say Jonah Williams from Cincinnati is probably the best player out there. There are some decent guards in free agency, uh, but I think the big splash for the Jets in the offseason could be Devontae Adams. Uh, I think they could bring him on and try to trade for him from the Raiders. 
And we have another one, a uh, question from, actually, I got two questions from Ed Jet Juice One. That's a rarity. Consider yourself lucky. If Jeff Ulbrich gets a head coaching job, do the Jets have someone on staff that you could uh, promote? Do you see them promoting to D.C. or would they look to go outside? I don't think Jeff Ulbrich is going to get a head coaching job. I do not see that happening. I think he could get an interview with a team, but let's be honest, the defense has taken a step back this year. The Jets are not a winning organization. Teams usually like to hire from winning organizations. So while I think Jeff Ulbrich might have a job in his future head coaching job, I don't think that'll be in 2024. If he did leave, I think uh, Tony Oden would probably be the next in line on the Jets staff. At Rock Jet 12, looking beyond this year, the 24 draft made the Jets only opportunity to grab a highly rated quarterback. I think they should because the Jets' problems go well beyond uh, their other issues. Uh, well, that's going to be the fascinating issue going into the draft because if Aaron Rodgers has his druthers, they won't draft the quarterback. He is in win-now mode. He has said he's going to be around for at least two more years, so he's basically saying to the higher-ups, I'm, pl- I'm your quarterback, so don't think of replacing me. Um, so I, I think the Jets will be picking sixth or seventh. That's their seventh right now. They won't get one of the two top guys, Caleb Williams or Drake from North Carolina, but uh, they could have a shot at Jaden Daniels possibly or one of the other quarterbacks. It's going to be a fascinating decision going in. Right now, my gut would say they will not draft the quarterback. They will draft a receiver or an offensive tackle. At Odin U, uh, Darren Odin U sends in at Odin U GD. Uh, the question, as much as you guys bury the players and the quarterback mainly, I feel you've been very lenient on Salah and Douglas. No one has put it on Salah as to why he didn't take Mike McDaniel over Mike LaFleur. Uh, he wants me to explain that decision. I do believe Robert Sala was interested in bringing along Mike McDaniel from San Francisco with him in 2021. However, McDaniel was promoted to OC at that time. So essentially the 49ers bumped him up to keep him. And you can't blame him for taking that job. You'd rather be the OC of the 49ers than the Jets. And the Jets ended up hiring Mike LaFleur, which clearly did not work out. Christmas Eve, Sunday, MetLife Stadium, Washington, 4-10 at the Jets. This is not a holiday festival kind of game. This is a, a, a dreary matchup. Let's be let's be honest here. The Washington is 32nd in defense. The Jets are 32nd in offense. You're going to see a lot of punts on Christmas Eve, folks. I don't even know who the Jets quarterback is going to be. Now, Zach Wilson is in the concussion protocol as of Tuesday. My gut tells me that he will not play this week. Now, I found this really interesting. You have his mother, Lisa, going on social media, which she likes to do, as we know, and explaining that Zach came out of the game, wanted to stay in the game, and stayed in the game even after he was experiencing concussion symptoms, but finally took another blow to the head, was experiencing blurred vision and some depth perception issues, and then came out of the game. Now, I'm curious, why would his mother want to go on social media and announce that to the world? I found that very interesting. According to the Jets, 
Uh, it was the independent neurologist that examined Wilson and took him out of the game. Yet Wilson and his family wanted it out there that he wanted to keep playing, but he couldn't take it anymore. It was getting too many hits and he couldn't see straight. Uh, I don't know if there was some public relations uh, undercurrent here, maybe after the story about his reluctance about playing a couple of weeks ago, maybe he wanted it out there that he was giving it up for the team, but just could not stay in the game. I I don't know. It's a very curious situation. Bottom line is, I think Trevor Simeon's going to start. I'm going to predict a 13-10 Jets victory. It's going to remind a lot of folks, and maybe some older Jet fans will recall this game, December 11th, 1993, Jets at Washington, RFK Stadium, the old RFK Stadium. It was a frigid day. In that stadium, they had an open press box, and I was there that day, and I remember freezing my rear end off as we were watching the game. It was Boomer Esiason against Rich Gannon, Mark Rippon coming in the game, and the Jets kicked the first quarter field goal, goal, Kerry Blanchard, and that was it. And the Jets won the game 3-0, probably one of the uglier games in NFL history. I remember it for something that happened afterwards. Going into that game, I had a little bit of a dust-up with two Jets offensive linemen, Jeff Criswell and Dave Cadigan. They uh, cornered me in the locker room and essentially verbally accosted me. And It was a big news story in New York, re- really around the country, and um, it became a back-page story in the New York papers. And I remember after that Jet Washington game in the locker room, after their 3 nothing victory, Jets cornerback James Hasty actually issued a public apology on behalf of the team to me as he was talking to reporters in front of the locker room. I always remembered that. I was always impressed uh, by Hasty for doing that. Uh, clearly was not speaking for Criswell and Cadigan, but speaking for the rest of the team. He wanted people to know, wanted me to know that what those two linemen did, and they were obviously pissed off at something I wrote, that, that just wasn't cool. And I always, I always appreciated James Hasty for that. And he was a really good player for the Jets for many years before he left for uh, for greener pastures, as they say. So try to enjoy the game. Most of all, try to enjoy your Christmas. Don't let the Jets bring you down. I'm saying the Jets will give you a Christmas present this weekend, 13-10. But who the heck knows? This season has gone in that direction. And so we're at the point now where they're just playing out the string, mathematically eliminated, and the questions that remain. While one question was answered on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers saying that he will not play again this year. We kind of expected that. He articulated that. He's looking ahead to 2024, basically issuing a pep talk to the fans and the organization, saying that brighter days are ahead. For the Jets' sake, let's hope so. Thanks to Jeff Scopin for putting this together. We'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck. 